Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? It is Zane Affie back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my former co-host, Al Sacco, has left the show. But um, we got somebody else who's really great today. Um, he's from KNBR. You can find his stuff on KNBR.com. He's also on the radio here in the Bay Area in the mornings uh, during football season. He is the one and only Brad Almquist. How's it going, man? Hey, Zane. Thank you for having me on. I'm doing well. How about you? Good man, I'm just getting wrapped up with this uh, this mock draft that we were about to discuss. And as I was doing it, I thought of the different things that happened before draft time. And you see a lot of smoke screens at this point. We're about two weeks out as a as of the recording of the show, and this is kind of the time where you see teams posturing for position, teams putting rumors out there. Like I don't know if you heard that the Arizona rumor that they may take Nick Bosa. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think kind of got to take everything with a grain of salt at this point. We've probably heard just about everything at this point. When you think of every single edge prospect or trade down scenario, we have probably heard it all. And the fact that these teams get 30 official visits before the draft, there's so many names um, linked to everyone. So, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that could maybe be leverage just for the simple fact that they probably know that the Niners – are targeting Bosa. It seems like Bosa is the consensus guy. Although obviously we won't, we don't really have anything to back that up aside from a lot of these different reports. But yeah, it's it still feels like Murray's the guy for them. But I, I think they're probably uh, saying that, doing that, um, just because Bosa is such a coveted pick, especially at number two. Yeah, and I think that even if. Nick Bosa goes number one overall to the Cardinals. The 49ers are still in a really, really good position because then Kyler Murray falls to that number two slot. And you're basically yeah. open for business for that entire 10 minutes of the, the first round for, for deciding what you want to do with the pick. And you're just going to sell him to the highest bidder. So I think, I mean, people could disagree with me, but I feel like the Niners are in a really good spot at number two. I feel like they can, con they actually control the draft a little bit more than the Cardinals do because with this whole Kyler Murray flirtation and Josh Rosen kind of being shunned away from the Cardinals and no media access and all that stuff going on over there. It just feels like, feels like Kyler Murray is going number one, isn't it? It does. It does. But I, I, I agree with you. I think the Niners are in a great spot. And even if, I mean, even if they don't get both, say the Cardinals take them, there will be teams who want Kyler Murray at number two. And I mean, two teams in particular, the Giants and the Raiders, both may be looking for quarterbacks. It sounds like the Giants definitely are the Raiders. We don't know as much on that front. But, I mean, say the Raiders offer the number four and the number 24 picks. They have all those late-round picks from, from all those trades that they did in the season. So they have assets. And then the Giants could offer the number six and the number 17. So, if you, I mean, if you, look at those, if you look at those value, those draft tables that kind of equate all the values, they, they, those two picks for each of those scenarios kind of line up with the number two picks. So I'm not saying that's the right move, uh, but it, but they do have options. I, I think you're right. I think the Niners have a lot of leverage in this draft, regardless of what the Cardinals do, number one. And if you recall, when they drafted Solomon Thomas, they moved one spot back when the, when the Bears wanted to jump up to grab Mitch Trubisky. And I, I believe yeah. the compensation for that was what? It was two-thirds and a fourth or something like that? Yeah, um, that sounds right. I, I feel like there was one more in there. But yeah, I mean, either way, it was, it was a haul. and like. Mm. 
I don't, it, it didn't seem like the Niners were going to take Trubisky. So I, it's, it's just, it's funny how these teams, it's funny how these teams as the draft nears and they kind of get their, their eyes focused on one guy, usually a quarterback, they will throw whatever it takes to get him. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, if any of these teams do that because there are at least three or four teams in the top half of the first round that, that could potentially do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like towards the end of the season, people were talking about when the, the Niners beat Seattle and Nick Mullins beat them. And, and it was a huge win for the franchise because obviously they hadn't beaten Seattle in the last eight or nine tries, uh, either here in the Bay Area or in Seattle. So everybody was talking about losing out on the chance uh, at getting Nick Bosa or being at the top of the draft and they lost control of the draft. But here we are some five months later and the Niners still are in that same position that they would have been in had they lost that game. So I think, I think a little bit of perspective is always needed when it comes to the draft and, and what the Niners can do and what they can get. I, I really personally feel like if they're going to trade down, it's going to be with one of those teams that has two first round picks, like you said, like the Giants or the Raiders. I'm not sure if John Lynch wants to do business with the Raiders after the, the Khalil Mack thing, but right. you could you could say the same thing about the Giants with the ODB thing, right? So do you think that if it came if push came to shove, is John Lynch gonna do business with these these two franchises that basically did not want to do business with him when it came to draining their own stars? Yeah, I mean I think it's probably human nature for it seemed like it seemed like the Niners made a really good push for OBJ and and the fact that the fact that the Giants wanted two two first round picks, one of which included the number two pick, which is obviously a massive pick, and the Niners weren't willing to part with that along with another first rounder. And then you got these reports that they wanted DeForest Buckner. I mean, that's arguably the Niners' best player. Mm-hmm. So I, that that could all maybe sit in a weird way with Lynch. So maybe that's just human nature. Like, oh, you know, we tried to do this business with you. It seemed like they those talks were ongoing for months and months at a time. Nothing came through. And then yeah, with the Raiders and Niners, it just it, it, it has never really seemed like they would want to do business with each other. So those on paper, just because they they. You have the number six and number 17 pick for the Giants and then number four and number 24 for the Raiders. Those are very, that's a very even trade on paper for the number two pick. But at the end of the day, like you were saying, like in terms of circumstance, I don't think that the Niners would be too eager to, to part with that pick with those teams just because of recent events. So, And furthermore, to that point, the Giants also did not want to swap two and six, which was in my mind, that's ridiculous. If there was going to be a trade, it had to be a swap of the first, the, the two first round picks this year, and then we'll talk after that. But the fact that they were not willing to to concede that, and the fact that they were willing willing to kind of say, "Hey, we want to fleece you," I, I think it was smart of John Lynch to walk away. So, I'm I'm kind of yeah. glad they did. Um, I don't know if there will be a trade back scenario that will net uh, uh, maybe like a top uh, top six pick at this point. But if they do trade back, um, there, are, there are a lot of guys that, that could fall to them, pass rushers, um, receivers, guys, guys of need. But um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, I want to I hear your thoughts on the draft. I want to hear who you think uh, the Niners need, what position groups they're in need of. Um, and you know, we can kind of go into a, a dovetail into the mock draft after that. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think with the number two pick, and keep in mind that, the Niners are in a much better position in terms of the roster than they were two years ago. So when they, when they got all those picks from the bears, they were just trying to like, they were trying to round out their roster with as many good players as they can. Now, I mean, for a returning four and 12 team, 10 and 22 in the last two years, they really don't have a ton of huge holes. Like they're obviously 
far from a polished, from a perfect product. I mean, I would say receivers, big need. I would say safety. It's, they have a stockpile of options there, but it's like, who's going to start there? That's, there are a lot of question marks. Um, I mean, and then there's some depth areas of depth, like in the interior line, I would say Sam linebacker is kind of up in the air. And then obviously adding another defensive end across from D Ford. I think all those are the big ones, but at the end of the day, I think, and there was a report that they are just going to take the best player available. So they have built the roster well enough in the last two years. Obviously there have been some miss early round misses, but this, if we've learned anything from Lynch and Shanahan, they've, they've hit on some late round picks and an undrafted free agency with Rita and Nick Mullins and then Kittle in the fifth round. And then Adrian Colbert in the seventh round for a seventh round pick, even though he was up and down last year, that's pretty good value. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to go best player available at number two. And, and for the last year plus that's been Nick Bosa. And that just happens to be the, probably the biggest area of need for the, for, for the 49ers, even still today. I mean, I think D Ford is picture perfect for that Leo role. I mean, he's maybe the best speed rusher in the league and just, just watching his film last year. I mean, he was a handful to deal with. He would just run past opposing tackles a lot of times, but he had a lot of good counter moves and everything. But I think, I mean, you look at Joey Bosa in, in, uh, in Melvin Ingram with Los Angeles, that's a per- perfect example of what the Niners could be if they had drafted Nick Bosa. So I think at number two, it's got to be him. Um, I mean, Quinn, Quinn Williams, everyone raves about him, talks about him like a future pro bowler. And then, but in a trade down scenario, this draft is so deep at, at the areas of biggest need for the Niners when it comes to the end and wide receiver that they will have some options. I don't think they'll go receiver that high, even if they trade it down. I think that's more of a second or third round spot or late first round if they did trade down or stockpile some picks. But anyways, I think, I think Bose is the guy. And, and regardless of all the stuff that's come out recently about his political views, this and that, mm-hmm. I think you just get the be- the best guy who has been the best prospect for a long time, who the, you know, the fan base has clamored for and who, who really just, would turn your biggest weakness last year and in 2017 into one of your greatest strengths, which is getting to the quarterback. So that's where I'm at with all that. The last show that we recorded, uh, I was talking about Quinn and Williams possibly being the pick at number two. And I look, I think Quinn and Williams is a fantastic player. I think he's a centerpiece on, on the defensive line at the, at the one tech. And I feel like he's suited to be a three, four defensive end. And he'd be really, really good there. But I just feel like it's a hard sell to the fan base to draft what would be the fourth defensive tackle in five years uh, with with your first round picks. And I think that there are other positions of need that they that they have that haven't really been addressed more in the past. Like if you recall last year, they they totally skipped out on edge rusher in the draft because of this year, because of this deep class. And they they foresaw that coming. So credit to the 49ers for that foresight. But they skipped out and I don't see them skipping out last year's draft to only skip it again this year. Um, I think that a lot of people feel like Quentin Williams is, is a better player than, than Nick Bosa because of the fact that he's frankly been able to stay healthier and they feel like getting to the quarterback up the middle is, is the best way to go. But for me, I feel like from a pure need perspective, the numbers favor defensive tackles on the roster. Like You have a lot more guys that can play interior defensive line or play defensive end than you, than you have um, that big defensive end spot that Nick Bosa would play opposite D Ford. Really, you only have Eric Armstead at that spot, and even he is probably a D tackle. So, um, so Nick Bosa is your pick, right? That's your first pick. Yeah, and I would say with Quinn Williams, like if they draft him, I think they have to figure out what to do with. I mean, that to me that directly impacts Eric Armstead. I know 
they picked up his fifth year option, but it's like there's so many options and at that interior that it's almost unnecessary in my opinion. And mm-hmm. it seems like Quentin Williams is someone you put in and he just he's really good right away. Even though he only played one one year in college or really was a starter for one year, he was really, really good. But to me that's like you got that affects Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead right away. And I think the Niners, especially after Armstead, is his first really fully healthy year since his rookie year. He played well, especially in the run game. Solomon Thomas kind of flashed in random spots, especially as the season wore on. And, and the coaching staff continues to stand by him, and they, they seem to have carved out a role for him. It just it feels weird that they would maybe draft someone with their top pick that could potentially compromise all that. Adding Nick Bosa doesn't really affect those their rotations as much, and 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 if anything, he just he adds another edge rusher, and you can never have too many. And throughout the, I mean, they've Shanahan and Lynch have given a lot of hints with what they've said throughout the offseason at the combine and the owners' meetings, from what I've read. Mm-hmm. Like Shanahan talked about the the best D lines that he's faced, and he said multiple edge rushers, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis on those Colts teams, I believe he said. Mm-hmm. And and that's just, I mean, that's. In my mind, that's kind of alluding to what they're going to do. At this point, I would be surprised if it's anyone but Bosa. They've met with him three different times. Um, he just, yeah, I mean, he only played three games this past year, but he was really good in those three games. I think he had four sacks, and he's considered, you know, a spitting image of his of his brother, if not maybe a little better. So I think it's Bosa. I think that's the, the, the best value pick for them. I think he, you could argue he's the best player available. You could argue Quentin Williams is, of course. Josh Allen was obviously incredible last year. But it's just, it, it makes too much sense. I just think they, they shouldn't overthink it. And I don't, I don't think they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And to your point about Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead, so Solomon Thomas came out recently and talked about the impact of his sister um, taking her own life and the impact that that had on his, on his season. And most surely that that had that's had some sort of effect on his play and i think that now he's been able to to have that time to grieve and and to get kind of move forward i i feel like this is a make or break year for him and and once they moved him inside next to forrest buckner he was significantly better i always felt like that was his natural position although he's undersized to play right next to buckner as a nose tackle but i feel like because of his quickness and his his ability to to rush up the middle he was much better as a as a, an interior defensive lineman uh, as opposed to an edge rusher which is what they tried to make him for the first year and a half of his career so really like you said Solomon Thomas finally got to be played in the position that he should have been played in and we actually had him on the show um before he was drafted I believe we had him on the show and he talked about how 85 percent of his snaps at Stanford were actually on the interior so I feel like that was when when he came into the league the, the Niners misjudged his ability and they tried to make him into something he wasn't, and that kind of failed. And it's not a reflection on Solomon Thomas because they were they were playing him out of position. I, and I've been critical of Solomon Thomas in the past, but in this instance, I'm defending him because I think that you you can't give up on a top three pick after two years unless the guy's like you know committed some sort of crime or something like that. Unless you have to release him, um, but you really have to see what Solomon Thomas has. Like you have to see what you have in him. I feel like he can be a productive player, especially if you put him next to Buckner where he was in, the, in, in at the end of the season. So I'm with you, man. I think that, that they'll probably pass on Quinn and Williams. It's going to be Bosa. That'll be the first pick of my mock draft. You mentioned that he was dominant in those, in those games that he played. So uh, just some stats for you guys out there in the three games that Nick Bosa did play, he had 14 tackles, six tackles for loss, four sacks, a forced fumble and a touchdown. And that's in, that's in three games. Pretty so good. <laughs> that is pretty good. So if you stra- extrapolate that over a full college season, 
he he's pretty dominant. And I'm not really concerned about the injury history and things like that because if you remember, Brad, when Alden Smith first came in as as a pass rusher, he was he was basically brought in on just pass rushing downs alone, right? Like he was platooning with some players, and he was not a, he was not a starter when he started, and he ended up getting was it thir- I believe thirteen and a half uh, or fourteen and a half sacks his first year. So I believe um, um, they'll probably do the same thing with Bosa at the beginning if if they feel like he needs to be eased in. Um, they can have him come in in sub packages and in passing situations, which frankly the NFL is all the time now, but you can have yep. him come in in those situations and, and see how he does and let him, let him kind of ease into it because you do have D Ford on the other side. So I think Nick Bosa is going to be there. They're going to find They're going to find a way to put him on the field, get him on the field at the same time as D Ford. And you have those explosive players that John Lynch always talks about. Nick Bosa is one of them. And he's a guy that you can plug and play from day one. He's a guy who's a leader. Like you said, there is that political stuff that, that, you know, off the field, all those things. Look, I care if a guy can play football, right? Like at the end of the day, when they're wearing Niners helmets and jerseys, that's all I care about, right? I care about, can you get to the quarterback? Political views and all that stuff aside, like we're not going to talk about that. Um, You know, we're not going to get into that that on the show, but I feel like everything points to Nick Bosa being the pick at number two and everything else that you're seeing from now until the draft is just smoke screens from the Niners. Yeah, and even, I mean, the Niners hired a new, a new D-line coach for this reason. I mean, it was obviously to maximize players on the roster, but this Chris Kocherik, he, he, what he does is he deploys all those wide nine concepts like very frequently. And the whole point of that is to give, give the edge rushers, give your pass rushers maximum space to be able to reach the quarterback. And that's why D Ford is such a great uh, pickup at that Leo spot because he can just blow by people. And I think if you put Nick Bosa on the other side, I mean, they won't be on the same. They won't be on the field at the same time all the time. But you can move around to Forrest Buckner. I mean, even watching some Chiefs clips. I mean, they they moved around their inside guys too. I mean, Chris Jones was was a beast last year. And mm-hmm. and watching that, it's like the, like the Niners can can watch that and use Buckner. I mean, they moved him from one technique all the way to outside last year, so they were already sort of doing that. They just have tons of options at this point. And I think and with with what you're saying about Solomon Thomas, I think yeah, he was. So obviously he hasn't done anything to validate his number his number three pick, but what you're saying is totally totally true. Like it's been more a product of circumstance, I would think, because he was played out of position, because they finally realized uh where he fits lately, we haven't really seen him over a full sixteen game calendar. And then you have all the personal stuff that is really just impossible to to really factor in. I mean that of course mm-hmm. takes a huge toll. So I think and then you have Armstead who had a Finally, had his be- his best year of his career, kind of put it all together, and now he's back for another year. So I, I really think that this the pieces are sort of aligned here. Assuming the Niners get posted to really, I mean, that's five first round picks on one line. I, I, that could mm-hmm. potentially be one of the best D lines in the league. I mean, I don't want to go there yet, but in terms of talent on paper and the way all those guys' careers are trending, in terms of Buckner becoming one of the better guys at that position too, that's yeah, it, it could be it could be scary, and that's why I think. With this new addition of Chris Kirchherr, this this defensive line coach, which all John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talk about with him is attack the quarterback. That's when D Ford was brought in. All they said was your one goal is to reach the quarterback. I mean, that's they're hammering that point home after really not addressing that last year. I think the only player that they signed was Jeremiah Atochu. They didn't they didn't draft anyone, and maybe that was foresight on their part, like you were saying that this class is just much better in terms of edge rushers, but. I would be surprised again if it wasn't Bosa for all those reasons. It just seems like they're really confronting the issue and they're kind of (laughs) 
seems like they're kind of sick of hearing about it and they're sick <laughs> of the lack of turnovers and everything. So I, yeah, again, I would, I think it's both. I would be very surprised if it's not. Likewise, likewise. So you got your edge rusher figured out now. That's one need taking care of the first pick. So we're on to round two now. It's round two, pick 36 overall. And it's almost like a late first round pick because let's be honest, anybody who watches the draft and knows about the draft knows that there are more than 32 players that are worthy of being drafted in the first round, which means that the top, the top of the second round picks, I would say one through anywhere, like one through 12, for example, like those picks could all have been first rounders and just based off of need and teams jumping up and things like that, they just kind of slip. So you're sitting at position number 36 where you have safeties that are going to be there. You have wide receivers that are going to be there. You've got cornerbacks that are going to be there. What do they do with this pick? Yeah, I think, and it seems like the consensus with, with all these mocks is that they go receiver. And to me, that would make most sense because they haven't, they, they held off in free agency aside from Jordan Matthews. But that's just kind of, I mean, I, th- I think they're excited about Jordan Matthews, but he wasn't like the Tyrell Williams or one of the, one of the bigger players in, in the in free agency to go get, which this, this year's free agency class is pretty weak at receiver. But I also think they held off because this draft class and receiver is stacked. I mean, it's one of the most stacked in the last probably 10 years. And there are a lot of guys that can fit at that Z position that they're trying to fill after Pierre Garcon. So that's where I went with my mock. I, I think there are at least three guys right there that, that could very well be available with A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, and, and Keel Harry from Arizona State. I think any of those guys could fit well. I mean, they're not all the exact same players, but they all project well at that Z spot where they're physical, good route runners. They make tough catches over the middle, kind of all the, the prototype of what you want from Pierre Garçon and Shanahan loved Garçon. So, and I, and I honestly think Jordan Matthews, I mean, he, he's played a ton of different positions. He can play in the slot. He can play either side out wide. And that's what Shanahan has talked about. So I don't really think he was the, the guy to place in, put in at that Z spot to compete with Kendrick Bourne. I think they're going to find that in the draft. And they could wait until that number 67 pick. I th- you would think Riley Ridley from Georgia might be there. And, and I, I like him a lot. But A.J. Brown, I mean, he was a record setting. He, he set the Ole Miss record for yards last year. He was, he was a complete stud. Debo Samuel is great. His best game of the year came against Clemson, national, national champions. He had 210 yards and three touchdowns, I believe. And the Niners coached him in the senior bowl. And then in Keel Harry, I mean, he's, he's a very electric playmaker. He had great stats too. He ran better than expected at the combine. I think any of those three guys, and there have been reports recently that Harry and Debo are their two guys. I, I think I would, I, if I had, to, if I had to bet, I think they would take one of those guys at 36 overall. They could go safety too, but it just doesn't feel like they're going to spend high on a safety to me. It's just, they have too many players at that position that have just been kind of in and out of the lineup in the last two years. Like Adrian Colbert's flashed. Anton Exum was, was in and out, kind of did well in spurts. Um, I mean, DJ Reed was a rookie last year, played some nickel corner, played, probably played better there than free safety. So Mar- Marcel Harris played well at strong safety. And then you have Joukowsky Tart. So there are just so many. And then they re-signed Jimmy Ward. So those are six players right there that could very well, that are probably all going to be competing for starting spots. And I think they will add a safety. I just don't think it's going to be their number two pick in the draft, or not the number two overall, but their second pick in the draft at number 36. And I think their biggest need, aside from just getting pass rushers as a receiver, because, I mean, that the disparity between George Kittle last year and the next closest receiver, Kendrick Bourne, is massive. And they, they just need someone to replace Garcon there. And Bourne could very well be that guy. I think he is actually underrated. 
but I don't know if he's the solution to, to really be, you know, um, the guy, the guy for the next several years. We'll see. So I would say receiver. I, I mocked AJ Brown. I could also see Debo Samuel. I'm going to go with one of those two guys, but, uh, I could definitely see Bing Sammy with, with all the 49ers interest in him. So, Do you think that Hakeem Butler falls to the Niners at 36, or do you think that some team will jump up in the first round to get him? Yeah, that's so tough because I feel like a team could fall in love with him just because you look at him, he looks like guy, he looks like Calvin Johnson or something. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's long, he makes these crazy catches, he's fast. He's, he has the potential to – it seems like he has the potential to be a, a really, really good receiver in the pros, but I, I do think he'll fall. I just think he's – I think there are some enough questions about just how polished he is and, and things he needs to work on that he'll fall. I, it doesn't feel like he's like a Shanahan receiver to me. I mean, I, 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 he sort of feels like Muhammad Sanu from the Falcons when Shanahan had him. Like he'll maximize him and and he'll be good. But Debo Samuel, someone who's way more polished and who who makes these tough catches and just has kind of that fighter's mentality over the middle. He just that those are all the like Pierre Garcon traits that I think Shanahan is looking for at that Z spot. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that, so for me, I, I really like Hakeem Butler, but I think that somebody will just fall in love with the way that he looks, like you said, and, and the fact yeah. that he looks like Calvin Johnson and somebody will will reach for him and probably draft him at the end of the first round. I don't, I don't or at the beginning of the second round, I don't think he's going to be there on the board. Um, I was reading a tweet by, uh, gosh, it was, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that talked about maybe just DK Metcalf being the only receiver going in the first round which means that all these guys slide to the second round. So I'm with you. I think that I, I like the Jordan Matthews pickup because I mean, I've liked him ever since he, he came in the league. Like I, I hope that I was hoping that the Niners would draft him when he came out um, of, of Vandy and they never, they never did. And, and uh, you know, they paid, they kind of paid the price for it because he could have been productive, but I feel like he'll be productive in a cash and offense because I feel like Kyle gets the most out of his receivers. So I think that that's kind of an underrated pickup that you'll see this year. And I don't think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver. I think that Jimmy will spread the ball around to whoever's open, to be honest. I don't think that the Niners will have like that one go-to guy that has 1500 yards and, and 102 catches and, you know, 12 TDs. Like you won't really have that guy. Um, I mean, well, it, it could be George Kittle, right? <laughs> but you won't really have yeah. that guy in, in the receiving core. I think that they're going to spread the ball around. So that makes sense. I think that he's looking for something specific. In, in, in the wide receiver that he picks at the top of the second round. And I did go receiver. And I'm with you. I think that it's going to be either um, A.J. Brown and Keel Harry or Debo. And I, I really like Debo Samuel a lot because he reminds me kind of, um, kind of a, a, a little bit of Anquan Bolden because he's a, yeah. he's a better route runner, but he's physical. And he can get open in short spaces. So in that sense, and they kind of have the same build. Like Debo's like six foot. He was 220 or 215, 220. And Quan Bolden's kind of, kind of built like that too. And obviously Debo's faster than Bolden was, but you have that same sort of possession type receiver, which is what you need in the red zone. And I feel like coaching him in the senior bowl really helped because they, they could see him in practice and see what he had to, what he had to offer. So I think they're really high on Debo. And if the Niners drafted him, I would be thrilled because I feel like he's, he's a playmaker. He's one of those guys that that is going to become a reliable target because you have you have a guy that can take the top off in Marquise Goodwin. You have a guy that can run the entire route tree in Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor is like your slot guy. And obviously you have Kendrick Bourne and Jordan Matthews in the mix now too. But you don't really have a guy who who can get open in the red zone like Debo did. I don't know if you saw the the senior role practices, but he was getting open in small spaces in the red zone. And and I think yeah. that they probably that probably spoke to them. Now 
that being said, I spent all this time hyping up Debo, and I'm like, ah, they're actually not gonna. I don't think they're gonna take him. <laughs> I, I think they're gonna take uh, Enkil Harry, and the reason why is that he's he's a big target. You know, he's six three, uh, 215 pounds, and and uh, he's got 22 career touchdowns. He had 17 in the last two years, and he's been a, t- a two time thousand yard receiver the last two years of his his career at ASU. Um, he's really good after the catch too. Like you said, he's sneaky fast. So I believe he ran like a four five at the combine for somebody his size. That's pretty impressive. And uh, he kind of fits the bill of the acrobatic red zone, like jump ball guy that they need, because right. as we know in the Kyle Shanahan offense, like they have problems. They don't have problems between the twenties. The problems start when you get inside the 20 and they don't have a go-to guy. So I mocked, uh, and kill Harry to the Niners at 36. I think that that would be a great fit. Again, if they get AJ Brown or Debo Samuel at that same pick, I'm thrilled. But I think that that I'm with you. I think that there's too many numbers at the safety position for drafting a safety that high. Um, there will be some good ones like Nasir Adderley is going to be there. Juan Thornhill is going to be there. Um, you know, there's be some guys that they can possibly get if they want to. But I think that the smart pick would be for for them to go with wide receiver night. And I mocked Inkill Harry there. Yeah, I'm with you. And and I think I mean. I agree with you. I think they're going to spread it around a lot. And and if you look at all these Super Bowl teams, they don't, most of them don't have that number one, you know, dynamic de facto receiver that you just like an Odell or a Julio or one of those guys. And not to say that you can't win with that. Of course you can, but yeah, I I think with Marquise Goodwin, especially like they paid him all that money prior to last season. I think he's going to be someone that they use sort of situationally to take the top off of a defense. I think Pettis, again, he runs the complete route tree. When, when he was healthy in those five or six games in the middle of the year, I mean, he, he looked like he could be a number one receiver. I don't know mm-hmm. if he will be that good, but he, he definitely flashed, and his route running's unreal. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think they're just going to want to use all these guys sort of situationally. I think Pettis, Pettis will be on the field the most. I believe he was when he was, when he was healthy. He was not playing more than any of the other receivers. I, and I think Kendrick Bourne again. I, th- I thought he sort of had an underrated year. I mean, he obviously his numbers weren't weren't great, but he did make some tough catches over the middle. But I do think that that they'll use someone with that thirty six pick. And and going back to Debo, like ask him at the combine just his impressions of of his meeting with the Niners, and he was like blown away that Wes Walker was there. Like he was super surprised to see him. Um, he he said he loves Kyle Shanahan's offense. He said it's pretty complex, which is not surprising because Pettis said the same things last year. But he just seems like a sharp guy, too, and I think that can't be discounted. I think the Niners really uh, value bringing in smart players. Uh, Their top three picks last year, and I'm I'm not a big fan of, like, the Wonderlick, but they all scored near the top or at the top of the Wonderlick for all their position groups with McGlinchey, uh, Pettis, and Warner. So Mm -hmm. I think think they're all about bringing in guys, guys, like, with good attitudes, smart, hard workers, and then... Obviously, the fit there with Debo, I think, is there. I think all the points you made with Harry is definitely there. I mean, he that guy made some of the most amazing catches of the college season last year, and they definitely don't have that 6'3", go-get-the-ball type guy. I mean, Shanahan has said you don't need that type of guy, but he definitely would like to have it if you could get it. So I think it will, will be Harry Samuel or Brown. I, I think if you wait till 67, I think we're going to see a lot of receivers go within – that in that second round, I could see at least five to 10. Um, I mean, obviously 10 being on the high side, but I think if you wait, you know, 30 picks, 31 picks, then you might miss out on maybe all three of those guys. And I just think that's, that's too risky because that, that is a pretty big need and, and they need someone to, to sort of supplement uh, that receiving core and, and take some of the pressure off Kittle because 
the word is definitely having Kittle at this point. So, yeah, and I feel like at this with with the top heavy sort of receiver class, there's a big drop off after the first seven or eight guys. Like, I mean, there's guys like JG JJ Arcega from Stanford, who's a big body receiver who had really good numbers and. I'm almost, almost weary of Stanford players, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know why. It just it just seems like when you when you draft like a Pac-12 or Stanford player, although DeForest Buckner's from the Pac-12, um, I'm just always weary of that because because they never seem to work out for the Niners. <laughs> so maybe one day, maybe one day it will. But to the to the original point, like there's there's a big drop off, and I think that you have to take advantage of being so close to the first round because you're getting first round talent. That's that's the bottom line. Regardless of the fact that you're picking in the second round, you're still getting a guy that will should have been picked in the first round if there were more teams or more picks. So I think that the, the, that pick would be best spent on receiver. And I think that's what they're going to do. Like they, Kyle Shanahan before the draft said that he wanted to get a starter out of the draft. And I think that he will. And any one of the three guys that you mentioned fits the bill. So Yeah, and I think, and I think Marquise Brown and Terry McLaurin and some of these other guys might go even before the guys we were talking about. And that would mm-hmm. be good for the Niners because those, those aren't really great fits for what the Niners are looking for. So, yeah, I think the Niners could potentially fall into a situation where they walk away with a guy like Bosa and any of those three receivers. I mean, I think they'd be very happy with that. So definitely first round value. Now, the next pick that they have is uh, in round three. It's number 67 overall. And before we kind of get into this, I want to I make a point about the top three picks. Like you pointed out in the, in the opening, they're a team that is at the number two overall pick but they were not that the, the roster isn't indicative of, of the record. I feel like I'm at the same spot as you are, like where they have a lot of holes filled and they're just kind of looking to fill the remaining ones in, through the draft this year. And I think that the top three picks, you have to hit on them all. Like every single yeah. one of these top three picks, because they're so early on in each round, you have to hit on all of these. The same thing that held true about the first round pick or the second round pick, that being a potential first rounder, holds true about the third round pick. Like these guys are potential second rounders that are sliding to the third round, which is where you're at. So I feel like you really have to hit on these top three picks and basically say that, okay, maybe all three of them will be starters by the beginning of the season. And all three of them have to be difference makers. Like we can't, we can't have another Joe Williams or another guy who's like a developmental player. They're changing positions. Like I like Tarverius more a lot, but you can't have a guy like that. That's that's changing positions and things like that. You have to have a guy who's, who's a, a difference maker at each one of these top three picks. So who did you go with at uh, number 67 overall? Yeah. So I went with Chris Lindstrom, who's an offensive lineman from Boston college. This was a little different than kind of what the, I don't want to say general public, but what a lot of other mocks did. And my thinking was, Last year when the Niners took McGlinchey, they talked about the importance of taking they, – they pretty much said that these elite offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles, usually don't drop super deep. And obviously, 67 overall, that's dropping obviously quite a bit. But and, and Lindstrom is projected to go, I mean, potentially late first, early second. So he might not be there. This is kind of, this is kind of a wishful thinking mock draft, honestly. But I, I, I could see them going offensive line at some point because, I mean, Joe Staley, Lynch, first off, Lindstrom can play any of the positions. Like, he played, he has experience playing tackle, experience playing guard. I believe he was a three-year starter with Boston College. He was very good. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you're going to have to prepare for life after Joe Staley. I mean, he hasn't really slowed down, it seems like. Shanahan even said that Staley had a better year this year than 2017, which is when he was pro bowler. Um, 
But yeah, his contract's up after this upcoming season. And I think McGlinchey will eventually slide over to the left tackle. And then you'll have to find he's going to replace him at right tackle. So in Lindstrom, I was just, my thinking was he kind of, he, he checks all the boxes in terms of can play multiple spots. He, the, the Niners don't have a lot of depth at offensive line. Like after they don't really have starting or NFL caliber uh, backups at, at either of the tackle spots. Now they got rid of Gary Gilliam. So if one of those guys goes down, then what do you do? And, and then, and last year, every single one of the alignment at some point was hurt and they, they were all, they all sort of toughed it out and played through it. And now Western Richburg and Lake and Tomlinson are having offseason surgeries and it obviously wasn't very ideal in terms of that. But I really think it is important to, to have depth there. And Mike Person, I mean, they re-signed him. He was a very good cheap pickup last year. You have Joshua Garnett there too, but I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a sure thing to, be really good at, at right guard. I mean, I think he'll be solid. I've given him benefit of the doubt because he played well there last year. And same with Lake and Thompson. He had a good year. But again, he's coming off injury. Richburg was up and down, which probably had to do with injury. And I just think if you draft a guy who can sort of play multiple spots, then he can kind of groom him this, this next year. He can be your immediate backup at multiple positions. And then when Staley's gone, unless he's re-signed, which if he continues to play the way he is, I'm sure they will want to re-sign him for at least another year or two after the upcoming season. So I went offensive line there, and I and a lot of people went safety, and that's where I went in the fourth round. But uh, I, I think that is that is kind of a sneaky priority for them. I think they they do need some more offensive line depth. And to that point, the 49ers started their the same five. Offensive lineman, I, I, offensive lineman for, I believe, 15 out of the 16 games last year. Yeah. I believe the only game was the first one. Actually, I think even the first one um, where McGlinchey had to slide over to guard because uh, because of injuries. I believe even that game, like they all started together, but because of injuries, they had to slide slide people over. And uh, Gilliam played a little bit, but they had the group together for most of the year, and that doesn't happen very often. Like I remember it used to happen during the Harbaugh years, and that was an anomaly. Because along the offensive line, that's one of the most uh, injury-prone sort of groups historically in the, in the NFL because of the physical nature of it. So um, I, I like the pick. I, I like the idea. I like the reasoning behind it. I think that uh, eventually at some point they are going to address offensive line in this draft. They have to because you have Lake and Tomlinson coming off of a major injury. And on the other side, you've got – there's like a battle at, at right guard. Is it Josh Garnett? Is it Mike Person? Like what's going on there? And you could definitely see an, see an upgrade over there. But I really think that, to your point, what they value is versatility along the line as well. It's not just like, hey, you can play this position well. It's like, hey, if you need to be like a swing tackle, can you play both tackle positions? Or can you play right. both guard positions? Or can you play center and guard? So I, I think that I, I like to pick. Um, and uh, you know, I, I see the reasoning behind it. Personally, I went, I went the other direction. <laughs> I went with uh, safety. And like, like most people uh, have been doing, because I just don't think that they've done enough at the free safety spot. Like, I don't know um, if you saw what I, what I put out on Twitter, but when they did not land Earl Thomas, I was, I was dumbfounded. I, you know, that was one, that was the move that they had to make this off season to really complete the defense. And I'm thrilled about Quan Alexander and D Ford and Jason Verrett and all that stuff. But the move that really would have put this deep, put the cherry on the top of this defense would have been Earl Thomas because he plays that same scheme and, and unfortunately it didn't happen. And for some reason beyond me, they decided to bring back Jimmy Ward and think that he's actually going to make a difference this year. And I just feel like they haven't done enough there. I like Colbert a lot. I think that he was not playing at hundred percent last year, 
and he hopefully will have a bounce back year this year, but you can't really count on him because he's never shown that he can stay healthy for 16 games. Obviously he's only played two seasons, but you can, you can't really count on that. And I think that they're going to, they're going to address the safety position with, with the the third round pick and the guys that I think they're going to get. Um, and mind you, there'll be guys up there. Like Juan, I was about, I was basically bouncing back and forth between, between guys like Juan Thornhill, uh, Darnell Savage, Amani Hooker, Deontay Thompson. And I was kind of going back and forth. I'm like, which one of these guys can, can play that center field position. And I finally settled on Deontay Thompson from Alabama. And the reason why is because I really like defenders that come from elite college programs and elite college defenses. And that's exactly what Alabama has been. And, you know, he's, he's kind of undersized, like in terms of his weight, he's six two, one ninety six. So there's questions about his durability, but when you're playing the, the single high safety in, in a cover three, like you're not coming out to make huge hits. You're, you're basically a center fielder and he's got elite athleticism and elite change of direction, which will help with that. And, you know, he, he can come up and make tackles too. He had 78 tackles and two interceptions last year. So he's not afraid to get, get, get his nose in the pile. So I think that Deontay Thompson is, is a, is a good fit for that position. Um, but you can basically like swap any safety in there that will, that will fall. And I think that any of those guys will be good. Like, like they're similar to the receivers where at the top of round three, you'll probably see a bunch of safeties go off the board and then there's a big drop off after that. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. I mean, I had them taking a safety in the fourth, and I and I think they could very well take a safety in the third, and I think that would be a really good pick. And there are a lot of really good options there, potentially. I mean, Deontay Thompson had a really good year. He was All-American last year. And and I like and what you're saying, I mean, he comes from that program, and Nick Saban knows how to coach his defensive back. So, yeah, I, I think he'll be a really good pro. I agree with that. The guy I took in the fourth is Darnell Savage. I know you just mentioned him. And I, yeah, I just, I, I like his playmaking. He's really good instincts. He, for, I believe he had seven picks the last two years combined and then he forced another two. And he just, yeah, I mean, one of, one of his most impressive plays was against Ohio State, sort of read Dwayne Haskins' eyes, tipped the ball and they got an easy pick six out of it. I just think you need someone like that. And I, and I agree with what you're saying. Like maybe because maybe they didn't pursue Earl Thomas because they were going to, address that in the draft maybe they'll go even as high as second round to address it i don't know but earl thomas demanded he i, I agree he would have been the, the kind of the missing puzzle piece i think he, he he would definitely have been the guy but he did demand a big contract four years 55 million i believe he had so if the i think maybe if, if the niners are thinking if we can find uh cheap more cheap production in the draft by drafting one of those guys that you just mentioned darnell savage thompson um, I think Adderley will be gone by the third, probably by number 36 pick two. Mm. Uh, Juan Thornhill could also be another guy. So I think it's those four guys, I think, or at least those three guys uh, taking out Adderley. I think any of those guys that can create turnovers, and, and that's just a huge, I think that's the theme of, of the defense. It has to be. I mean, it's the NFL record for the fewest turnovers, two interceptions, and none from, from cornerbacks. So I, I think they just they need more playmakers in, in the secondary. And I agree with everything you're saying, and that's where I went in the fourth round. I, and you could probably go either way with the offensive line. And even though Lindstrom, my pick in the third round, again, may not last that long, even though he wouldn't be a starter, I do think they need depth there. But uh, that could also be something they address later on. And my thinking going Lindstrom was that there's such like a specific prototype of offensive lineman that Shanahan wants, like 
shifty, lighter guys who can move into the second level and run block and everything that it's not, that's kind of hard to find maybe in the later rounds. So that's, that was sort of my thinking of why you shouldn't wait too long to, to add depth there with considering, uh, you know, the lack of depth on, on the Niners line right now in Staley's situation. But yeah, I think they, they have to address safety no later than the fourth. And I, I think most people would agree that they'll probably address that in the third. Yeah. And I think we're kind of on the same thought process here where eventually in those middle rounds, they, they have to address the safety position. Like I, I don't think they went into the draft or went into this off season feeling like they were going to do it through free agency. Um, after Earl Thomas was off the board, I feel like that was probably one of their top choices uh, at safety and the other guys like Eric Berry and Kenny Vaccaro and, and uh, honey badger. And those guys didn't really matter to them. Um, I feel like the, the draft is like their plan B now, and there will be a, a lot of good players available. And again, it's a blessing in disguise that they lost all those games. I mean, I know that it sucks seeing Jimmy get hurt, but it's a blessing in disguise because they're at the top of every single round now and, and others guys falling and slipping at, at, at the top of every round and they're getting talent at a much higher value than they would have had they been further back. So all of this is a blessing in disguise. And, and with that fourth round pick, um, it's a one, one of four overall. I have them selecting Jimmy Moreland from James Madison, the corner. And he's one of those guys that smaller school guy and they had him in for a visit and, and they like the fact that he's, um, he's versatile and he can return punts and things like that. But he just seems like a, like a John Lynch kind of guy. Like, they, they picked up DJ Reed last year and, and he's kind of the same way, like a, like a smaller corner undersized, but he can do a lot of stuff. Um, I think that they ask for versatility in the defensive backfield, which for better or for worse is, is the way that they want to go. And Moreland, he, he's an interesting guy. Like he, he's only 5'11, 175. So he is on the lighter side. But if you look at what Jason Verrett is, Jason Verrett's the same sort of way, right? Like he's, he's under six feet tall. He's kind of got the same sort of build. He's like 180, 185. And I think that opposite Richard Sherman, they have a type of corner that they want. And, and uh, if, if Witherspoon doesn't work out and um, Moreland is one of those guys that can play the slot because you, you kind of have to think of an insurance policy for uh, Quan Williams. If he gets hurt, um, he's a guy that ran a four, three, eight at his pro day uh, over at uh, James Madison. So I think that Moreland would be to some, it would be a reach there uh, at the, at the top around four. Um, but I feel like, they're feeling a need. And, and you talked about the needs before, uh, before we started doing the mock draft and edge receiver, safety corner, offensive line. Like they, uh, to me, the last three picks of this will be to fill those, those, la- those needs. And um, you're going to get, you're going to get one of those in Jimmy Moreland. Yeah. And I mean, he was, again, he was also a first team all American last year. Um, so if you take, I mean, with those top four picks, recapping your your draft, you got Bosa, you have a really good receiver, whether that's A.J. Brown or Keel Harry or Debo. You have Deontay Thompson, Jimmy Moreland. Those are all, and the last two are all Americans. So if, if that, I think that's a pretty good haul right there. And I, I agree, they, they the Niners definitely value versatility, and I think that's why they value Jimmy Ward so much, which infuriates 49ers fans so much. But, the, the, I mean, he can play all those spots. He's probably best at free safety, who knows. But yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why they, they liked DJ Reed as well. Tarverius Moore switching him from, from safety to corner, and they really haven't completely. I mean, they've been pretty steadfast in that he's going to remain a corner, but I don't think they'd rule out converting him to safety because they have other options there with Witherspoon and, and Verrett. And I loved the Verrett signing because it was so cheap, and, it, and, and I think the potential there far, far outweighs the, the risk. So 
I, I do think they will address. Um, I, I do think they'll address corner at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how how early, but I, I could see them doing that in the fourth or fifth, like, like you're projecting. And and in all the points that you made about Moreland, he was really good last year. He he does seem like a John Lynch guy. So yeah, I had them going uh, Darnell Savage in the fourth. And again, I think that's probably one round at least too late. Mm-hmm. I think he'll probably be gone by then. I. I Maybe because he's from Maryland and he wasn't on a great team, and, and he he will drop, and it's always just impossible to predict. But I think we're we're in agreement on sort of all their biggest needs, and secondary is definitely one of them. And adding another another guy who was a really really good college player um, is, is definitely not a bad route to take. So yeah, they just need playmakers. They need guys who can yeah. separate receivers from the ball, guys who can create turnovers. That's where their defense failed last year. Like they gave up a ton of points because the opposing offense had the ball the entire time and um, they were never able to, to stop them from scoring. So um, in terms of yardage, they were only, they were, they were top 15 in yardage. So it's not as if this, they were, the teams were marching up and down the field. It's, it's time of possession. Basically they, they were having long sustaining drives. Niners couldn't get off the field because they number one, couldn't get sacks and number two, couldn't, uh, couldn't create turnovers. So I think that between the, the free agency hall that they've had and, and the, mock drafts that both you and I have, if they have any combination of these, I think that they'll be pretty successful. Yeah. And I will say like with corners, like I, I think it's, it's not easier, but it's, it is easier to project uh, corners who play in the FCS than other positions in the FCS, just because you can kind of read their footwork. You can read their speed and he tested really well. Jimmy Warland did. So I, I definitely like to pick uh, the more I think about it, but mm-hmm. But yeah, because like other, I mean, FCS receivers, FCS quarterbacks, it's just sort of harder to predict because of, of the lesser competition. But I mean, Moreland was obviously one of the best at his position uh, at that level. So I agree. I think they're going to address that sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And uh, mind you, the Niners only have six picks this year. They traded the fifth round pick for Lincoln Tomlinson a couple of years back, which was, a, was in my opinion, a great trade because you have a starting offensive lineman who started every single game for you last year for a fifth round pick, which was fantastic. And I feel like with Jimmy Garoppolo in there, like in Tomlinson played a lot better. And even last year he played better than, than the previous year. So uh, hopefully he comes back from that injury. But um, the next pick that they have after the fourth round pick is in round six and it's one number 176 overall. And mind you, like this is barring any trades or anything like that. Like this is where they sit as of the recording of the show. So there may be a draft day trade that, that could go down with the, with these late round picks for them to jump up or jump back. Um, but, but as of now, uh, we're just projecting what they currently have. So the next one is in round six at 176. Who you got there? I went Tim Ward, who's a DN from Old Dominion. And I'm just kind of stockpiling DNs at this point. And, mm-hmm. and he's obviously a guy that probably most people don't know. Uh, I mean, I only really discovered him with some research. And he's, I liked him just because he's, he's very athletic. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. Um, he had decent production. And I just think he's someone that, that is sort of a project that could learn under the, these other guys. Obviously he's not going to, I don't think he's going to play right away, but he, he, he's just another edge option who could potentially uh, blossom into a good pro just because he sort of fits that. He, he has a, he has a really good body for it. So that's where I'm going. I think they could also go uh, Sam linebacker. I think at some point they don't, the Niners don't really seem to prioritize that spot too much because they, I mean, they brought back Malcolm Smith on a restructured deal, and they're bringing back Mark Nizalcha. I mean, no, neither of those players are really going to, like, wow fans. But I just think as long as you have a solid Sam linebacker there who's, who's kind of a rotational guy, 
which again isn't that's easier said than done. Um, I also could see them adding at that spot late because I, I don't think Malcolm Smith and Mark Nizach, I think there's going to be more competition there. So if I had to modify my mock draft, I'd probably go go that position. But I could also just see them adding more DNs because Shannon has continued to say this offseason that you can't have too many. And Tim Moore, DN from Old Dominion, he's just he's really athletic. He's pretty raw, but I think he could with the, with the right training and everything, right coaching, you never know. He could may, maybe become a good value pick later on. Yeah, and I think that with guys like Ronald Blair that are possibly coming off the books and uh, either this yeah. year or the year after, they need to start thinking of ways to replace them. And Ronald Blair is one of those guys that nobody really knows what the Niners have in him. He played pretty well last year. He had five and a half sacks, and and they don't really know where he fits in and, and how he fits, especially with now adding all these pass rushers. Like, okay, well, what what happens with Ronald Blair? And when you try to resign him, he's way more. Uh, that that cap is going to be way more than you would have uh, than with a sixth round pick. So um, I can see, I can definitely see the logic. Um, I don't know if they go defensive end um, at all after Nick Bosa because they're just the, the numbers are there uh, on the roster. Um, but I can definitely see the logic there. So um, I actually went with the funny thing is is that you're talking about linebacker. I went with linebacker and I. I, I was talking about Stanford players before and like how I'm always wary of them, but I chose a Stanford player. Um, so Bobby Okereke, uh, I think that I pronounced that correctly. Um, I, I looked at the Twitter to, for the pronunciation. And that's, um, that's what it was. So Bobby Okereke, um, he, he's six foot one, 239 out of Stanford. And he's one of those guys that he ran a four, five, eight. So um He's the the prototypical sort of middle linebacker that you would want. Um, he doesn't really project to be a starter or a guy that would would come in and start from day one. But again, like you said, to add competition into uh, that that pool with Nazacha and Malcolm Smith, I think that they need they need some fresh blood there. So he's also a guy that can play special teams, which is what Nazacha does. And again, when you have guys rookies and guys that are on rookie contracts filling in for guys that are veterans, um, it helps your cap situation a lot so um i picked bobby okireke with uh the, the the first of the two sixth round picks yeah and i and i i like that because of what you're saying about he ran a good 40 and i think of those late round picks the niners try to target maybe these these really athletic guys that they can sort of mold into good players if they aren't already like last year they drafted contavious street which i would say the general public did not like that pick because those was, was pretty much he had a redshirt season last year because towards ACL weeks before the draft, but mm-hmm. he was a physical freak in his, his lifting and, 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 and everything like that. And I just think they try to target guys le- sort of later in the rounds. I mean, they got Kittle in the fifth round who blew away his pro day. So I, I could see that too, because Fred Warner, obviously he, he had a great pro. He had a great, I can't remember if he went to a, it was a pro day or a combine, but all of his numbers were really good. Uh, I think they they definitely value sort of that that prototypical you know rangy instinctual linebacker like that, and I, and I think they will add to that room at some point. So I, I if I could modify mine, I, w- I would say they would they would go there, Sam linebacker. So I, I think they need to add more to that room because it's really not that deep, and and even with uh, Quan Alexander and, and coming off injury, and then Fred Warner. Um, as a sophomore, you never know how he's going to progress. Although there's no reason to think he won't. So yeah, I, I like that pick too. And I think that for them, again, as I mentioned earlier, the the top three picks in this draft are going to be the most important. Like every pick after that is kind of like, okay, well, 
now we're just seeing what the best player available at the need that we have is going to be. And that's, that's why I went with uh, linebacker at that particular pick. Um, they do only have six picks, as I mentioned earlier. And with that, you are kind of constrained with what you can do. It's not so much the shotgun approach that Trent Balky had when he had all those picks and was failing to make them. It's more so that like you have to focus your search on players that will actually make the team and have guys that will actually have a chance to contribute and, and less of these project guys. Like you said, Contavious Street was one of those guys that the project guy towards ACL and they kind of stashed him away on IR. So we'll see what he has this year, but they don't have that luxury this year. Um, they don't have the ability to stash guys away because they only have six picks. And I think that right. you'll, pro- you'll probably see some movement towards the back end of the draft. I think they'll probably try to acquire some more. You'll probably see them maybe um, try to try to look at a, a, a kicker or a punter at this point because Pinion's gone and I don't think Robbie Gold is going to sign his franchise tender. So um, you're probably looking for a kicker as well. But I think that there's going to be some movement at the back end of the draft with the Niners and they're going to look to fill out the, the back end of the roster. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if they added a punter or a kicker. I mean, it makes sense because it just doesn't seem – it seems like the Robbie Gold talks have just sort of reached the point where it's not it's not progressing a whole lot. Um, it doesn't really feel like he's going to sign his tender. So, yeah, I, I could see that for sure. And, and they obviously value – I mean, they love Robbie Gold. He was statistically the greatest kicker of all time through two years by the numbers. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see that for sure. And then – I mean, with Pinion, they, they need a punter who can also do kickoffs. So, like, there's a very specific type of punter, too. So, I could see that as well. Yeah, and they may go, they may trade back down with one of these six round picks into the seventh round and get, and get that. But as of now, the last pick that they have in the 2019 draft is uh, in round six, and it's number 212 overall. And, um, you know, they basically, this is one of those where you just kind of take a flyer on a guy. And if this works out, then that's fine. Or it's a back of the roster guy. Although, in the last few years, the Niners have had these guys starting because the roster has been so bare and so many, right. so many injuries. So you never really know. But for most teams in a normal circumstance, this is like a, a back of the roster slash practice squad guy. So who do you have at number 212 overall? Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I, w- I took a flyer personally. I went Josh Oliver, tight end from San Jose State. And similar to my to my pick before that, it, this is kind of just all based on on sort of how he tests his body. He's he last year or this past combine, he ran a four six three forty, which was the third fastest for all tight ends. Um, and, and especially with these reports that they met with Noah Fant from Iowa, who probably will not make it to thirty six overall, and I don't think they would go tight ends at thirty six overall, regardless. But the fact that they're even meeting with him shows you that they're probably, at the very least, gonna gonna look at drafting a tight end. And I, I would think if I if I had to bet on it that they will because. I mean, Garrett Selleck obviously isn't isn't really on the field to to catch a lot of passes. He's more of a blocker than anything. But you look at his numbers; he had five catches for ninety yards the whole season, and he played in all but one game. And that's just they, they the way Shannon Shanahan sort of built this offense from the inside out by stockpiling three really dynamic running backs, featuring Kittle. I wouldn't be surprised if if he if he drafted another sort of athletic tight end who he could put beside Kittle and sort of take advantage of defenses that way too. So, I, yeah, I went Oliver. He sort of consistently progressed throughout his career. Uh, he ran that really good 40 time. Um, I, he's one of those guys where his, his run blocking is going to have to get a lot better to be on the field consistently. But I do think they're going to go tight end in the later rounds. That's just kind of a gut, and especially because they, they didn't really do anything in free agency with tight end. And I, and I do think 
Garrett Selleck just has to be a little better and, and offer a little more next year. So that's where I went. It's funny because I was actually talking to somebody about this earlier today. I was talking to my dad about this earlier today, and I was just we were just kind of like sitting at the at the uh, the lunch table, just talking about like, oh, uh, what are the Niners going to do? And do you think that they'll get another tight end and play opposite Kittle? And he was like, but they upset Selleck, and I'm like, well. Selleck is more of a blocking tight end. And I think that what Kyle Shannon wants out of his tight ends is be able to be able to have them all be receiving threats. Selleck is one of those guys that's left over when the few guys that's left over from the Harbaugh era that kind of got grandfathered in uh, as a good blocker. But at right. this point he's kind of getting long in the tooth and you need a little bit more out of that position. And I think that Kyle wants to open up this offense. So I like that idea of taking a tight end that late. And I like the idea of trying to develop somebody because you never know. You could have the next George Kittle late in the draft, and you could have the next big thing. George Kittle was a, was a fifth-round pick. Nobody expected what he did. He didn't have the college production either, but Kyle Shanahan saw what he, what he liked, and, and John Lynch saw what he liked, and they got him. So I think that in this offense, it, it's built to make tight ends look good. So I think that, I think that that's a solid pick. Yeah, and, and like even their third pick, or even their third tight end, Ross Dwelly, I mean, he falls into that camp more in terms of He's definitely not a blocker. Like he's, he looks mm-hmm. more like a receiver when you just look at him. And obviously, he didn't, he didn't really play much. But yeah, I, they, I think, yeah, I think Shanahan would like to have as many uh, options as he could if he can just plug in one of these guys situationally and just hit you for a thirty-yard gain. You know, I, I just, I, I don't think that we should discount how how much he just wants those playmakers. And and it doesn't really feel like, I mean, Selleck has been a very solid blocker and everything, but it just doesn't really feel like he is kind of the perfect fit in Shanahan's offense, similar to what you're kind of like what you're saying. He's horror from the Harbaugh era. So yeah, that's, that's where I went. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. I think that um, what they're looking for at this point is, is again, guys that are projects or a guy that you can take a flyer on. So I also took a flyer too, and I kind of went off the board. Um, I addressed offensive lines. So it's funny. It's kind of funny because we're addressing all the same, positions but but like not in the same order but we have the same ideas right so i I address offensive line and um my pick is uh, with the final pick uh the niners draft this year it's 212 overall round six is brandon hitner out of villanova so he was their center and he can play pretty much any offensive line position um he's got really quick feet and he excels at pulling so one of the things that kyle shanahan likes his offensive lineman to do is be able to be mobile and that's what hitner can do now you could probably get him to be honest. Like you probably sign him off the street after the draft. I'm not sure if he's going to get drafted at all, but I think that they will address offensive line at some point in this draft, and sooner or later, you're going to see at least one offensive lineman taken. So um, Hitner is is my pick. Yeah, and and like I'm looking him up now because I admittedly don't know much about Brandon Hitner, but uh, he only 300 pounds. He's six six. He jumped real high in his pro day. So yeah, I, I could see that. I, I think. It, it makes it a little, it doesn't make it easier, but like because the Niners have such a specific prototype of, of what they're looking for in an offensive lineman and in like a cornerback, like 32 inch arms, you know, they, they have all these like physical measures that it is, it makes it a little easier to, to sort of pinpoint uh, some, of the, some of these guys. I mean, it's always tough in the late rounds, but yeah, I agree. I'd be very surprised they didn't add uh, some, something at offensive line because they didn't really add anyone in free agency. I mean, they re signed Mike Person. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I think that's a good pick. It's, yeah, it is funny. We sort of, we're in agreement. We just, our, our drafts are just in terms of the picks are just a little mixed, but, uh, I think we all, we, we think the same way. 
Yeah, and if they can pull off even three of the the top five picks that we have, I think that uh, it's a pretty successful draft. Like, frankly, if you can get Nick Bosa at number two overall and one of Brown, Debo, or Enkeel Harry at 36 and pick up one of the one of the top safeties in the third round, like you've already pretty much won the draft. Like I, I will find it hard to believe that any of the te- any of the other teams in NFC West will have a better draft than that. So it's just yeah. it's just about the top of the draft for the Niners. They have to hit on all three of those, and it could be one of those things that like last year I didn't see them picking McGlinchey. I, I thought they would go edge rusher. I thought they would either trade down but um, uh, or go edge rusher, but they kept the pick. And McGlinchey turned out to be a great pick. So they could go yeah. totally off the board and and uh, go like Ed Oliver at number two overall or something like that, something crazy like that. But I think that at this point, um, they have a, a strategy in place and they're they're keeping things pretty close to the vest. Everybody knows that they're interested in Bosa because the fit is there and it makes total sense. And he's frankly, in my opinion, the best player in the draft. Um, but you have the whole Quentin Williams thing, and, and I think that that's kind of a backup for a trade down. Now, if they do trade down, um, I want to I want to see what you think about um, guys like Montez Sweat um, or like a DK Metcalf if you trade down later into the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think they would jump for a receiver that high because, believe it or not, like Metcalf didn't didn't really test that well in terms of some of the drills that they value, like the three cone drill, mm-hmm. but in like the, sh- the sh- kind of the short area quickness drills. I mean, I think DK Metcalf will be very, very good in the NFL. Like, don't get me wrong, but I, I think they're still going to go DN regardless. And, and I think there are probably three to four guys that could go within that, like number six overall to like number 20 to 25 overall from sweat, Brian Burns, Flell and Farrell, Rashawn Gary. I, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're terribly interested in Gary, but it is interesting. Like it's hard to predict this stuff because last year they didn't meet with McGlinchey after they met with him at the combine. They didn't even talk to him. And then sure enough, they draft him and surprise everyone. And even McGlinchey said like, I had no correspondence with the Niners before they drafted me. So mm-hmm. maybe them not talking to Rashawn Gary, like, I don't know. You never know. So I, yeah, I think with trade down scenarios, they're going to have really good options there too. And if they, if they believe that the drop-off between Bosa and, you know, Montez Sweat or Brian Burns, who they just met with or who they're going to meet with, I'm not sure if they met with him yet, but they have scheduled a meeting with him. If they don't think that drop-off is that big, then I could see them wanting to trade back with one of those teams that we mentioned and getting a late first-round pick out of it at minimum. So at the same time, they, they, have, they really covet that number two pick. I mean, who wouldn't? But I think, I mean, they're going to receive calls at the very least. And I think if they did trade down, they would probably take one of those guys. I, I, I like Montez Sweat. I, it didn't seem like – it seemed like he sort of got bottled up in that senior bowl. But during the week of practice, he, he had a good week. And my impression is the senior bowl, it's more about the week of practice and the drills and sort of getting into the coaches and how you receive coaching and things like that, which by all measures he did well. So, I, yeah, I'm going to stick with just DN and regardless of wh- whether they draft at two or trade back. And then I think they will go receiver in the second round. I know you agree. So, yeah, that's that's what I would think they would do. And will we see something really dumb happen every year? We see something, some team reach for a guy, like you know, just just like a, a ridiculous reach um, that that shouldn't yeah. shouldn't happen. I mean, can you can you predict any any team reaching for a guy and what that guy would be? Cool. Um, I mean, I maybe just a quarterback. I could see. Someone falling in love with Ed Oliver really early, although I do think he could 
be that good. I mean, he was sort of before this year, he was sort of the guy. I mean, he was appearing on the front page of, of all these, you know, magazines, mock drafts, things like that. So I, I think he is someone you can't really ignore just because of how well he has tested. And he just sort of, I mean, his and Aaron Donald's numbers are pretty much the exact same. So it may be someone falls in love with him the way they fall in love with DK Metcalf just because he's so freaky. But yeah, I actually, I wrote something like several different trade down scenarios and, and a couple of them are sort of hypothetical. One that, that I do not think will happen, but I just sort of thought it was a fun way of thinking about it was if the Bengals trade the number 11 pick and AJ Green to the Niners for the number two pick, which a lot of AJ Green was sort of randomly brought up on in the Twitter sphere this offseason uh, for the 49ers targets. I, I, I don't think there's any reason to think that he would get traded. And the Bengals and Mike Brown, the Bengals owner, has said that they want Green to stay in Cincinnati. And Green has said he wants to be with one team his whole career. But I was just sort of entertaining that. Um, so, I, yeah, you never know. I don't think the Bengals are crazy, are, are going to trade up to the number two pick to, to take like a. Dwayne Haskins, it seems like they'll probably stay where they are and they might not even go quarterback. But yeah, I, it, it's hard to predict, but there, there will be some of that crazy stuff that happens like there, like there is every year. Yeah. I, you'll, you'll see like, no doubt you'll see guys jump up and, and based off of one thing or, or a combine result or a 40 time or something like that, they'll, they'll jump up and pick a guy. But I think for the Niners, they, in recent days, they've seemed to be dangling the idea of like trading Nick Bosa down uh, to whoever is the highest bidder to get more picks. But I really feel like really to make this team better, you have to make that pick. They don't have enough blue chip talent. Nick Bosa is a leader, regardless of what are political views he has. None of his teammates had any problems with them. None of his coaches had any problems with them. Like this is not like, this is not like a, a Richie incognito sort of situation, right? This is not that situation. He's not that type of guy because he's never shown that history. So I, and, and granted, I could be wrong because I don't know him personally, but my 30,000 foot view of this is that it, they're not the same sort of situation. They're not the same person. So I think that they take, they kind of take the layup and they get Nick Bosa. Um, they take the easy basket and, and he's your pass rusher for the next 10 years. I think that just, that's just the pick and that immediately changes your defense. I agree. And I, and I will say, like, even though I just threw out that sort of hypothetical Bengals trade, it doesn't really feel like any team other than, the Raiders or the Giants would be really willing to trade up. And it doesn't really feel like either of those teams would really need to because they can probably get their quarterback at, at number four, number six overall, regardless. And, and I, I, like what we were saying earlier, I don't think the Giants and Raiders are really the best candidates to trade with regardless, just because of kind of the recent history with each team. And talking from the Raiders, I mean, if the Niners were to trade with them and they were to get that number four pick, along with one of those, I believe they have three late round first picks, but say they, they get like the 24th pick from them. Uh, even, even then it's like the Raiders purposely got all those picks so they could rebuild. It, it just doesn't really make sense that they would give away one of those picks from, from the deal with Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper to, to go to, you know what I mean? It's just that, that logic doesn't make sense to me. So I, I would be, I would be surprised if, if the Niners do give up that number two pick because they just need that best player. They need that Nick Bosa to just step right in and be really good right away, just like his brother was. And, and I just, it's funny just because you look at his brother and what, what they have with, with Melvin Ingram. And it's like, you could have that if you just take, took him at number two. And then you have one of the best, you know, three techniques in the league and two other first round picks right next to it. Why wouldn't you want that? So 
and, and with the turnover issue, it's just, it makes almost too much sense that, I mean, there's so much talk prior to the draft. Mock draft season's a, a crazy three, four month thing where it, it's, it's hard to not get wrapped up and all that, but I just think they should not overthink it and just, and just make the pick go Bosa and, and just move on from there. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, it's the writing seems to be on the wall. I think that's going to be um, Bosa and, and uh, we'll have to, we'll see in a couple of weeks. So in closing, Brad, why don't you tell people where they, where they can find you on Twitter? Yeah. So I'm at Brad Almquist, my last name, A-L-M-Q-U-I-S-T 13 on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we're for KMBR. Go to KMBR.com. Um, go into the 49ers tab. All my stuff will be on there. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And I enjoyed it. I'm happy. I'm very ready for the draft to come because it has filled so much debate and it's just like it always does. It's like funny, like it's, it's great to have mock drafts come off, come about in the beginning. And then at this point, it's like ad nauseum to the point where it's like, all right, the draft just needs to get here and Mm -hmm. figure out, figure out these picks so we can actually start, start, you know, projecting what the roster is going to look like instead of just, um, kind of, throwing throwing shots at all of it so <laughs> excited yeah. for it to come we only got two weeks left yeah I'm, I'm with you man i i'm pretty much every night before i go to sleep i check i check the mock drafts the the most popular mock draft to see if anything changed at the top <laughs> and it's just going i'm just going crazy now man i just need yeah I need the draft to be here so i can get some sleep at night and be happy that the niners <laughs> picked up a blue chip player whoever it may be um, I really wish that they that they had more than one round on the Thursday, though. It's just like kind of a tease. It's like you're all excited about the draft, especially if you get your guy and you have to wait till the next day <laughs> to see what happens next. And it's just it's one of those things where the NFL had it that way because they want to um, maximize viewership and things like that. But right. I really wish it was just like rounds one and two on the first night. And then, um, you know, you could shorten it by a day or whatever. Right. But I, I just wish it was yeah. more than one round. Yeah. And it's just funny that, like, even with the number two pick, I mean, there's literally one team picking ahead of them. There's still, like, a lot of ways this could go. Even though we all think it will go this one way, you just never know. And, I, and, and like, what you're saying with, with viewership and how, how people just eat up draft season, like, there, there have been reports that they're going to expand the combine to two weeks just for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy time of the year, but uh, it is almost over. <laughs> the mm-hmm. season will actually... OTAs will begin here soon. So I'm very excited for that. Yep. Likewise. Likewise, man. But, uh, thank you again, man. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Um, this is the first time that, that you and I have, have, uh, talked on the show and, and, uh, you know, I appreciate your time and, and, you know, you're doing great stuff over at KMBR. Everybody give Brad a follow, check his stuff out at KMBR.com and, um, you know, just, uh, just blow his Twitter up. I mean, I think that, um, you know, this is going to be a really fun off season. The rest of it, Jimmy's coming back and, it's going to be a much better season than it was last year. So um, for Brad Almquist, thank you so much for joining again. I am Zane Nackley. This has been another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. Thanks, Zane.